0: Welcome, fellow anglers, to the Working Class Fishing Podcast, a place for all anglers, amateur or expert, to share their stories and learn about fishing. Join your hosts, John and Brian, each episode as they debunk the perceived inaccessibility to fishing, break down the barriers of any and all angling methods, and hear stories from other anglers and their own journeys with
1: fishing. Now, let's get this show started.
0: Welcome hey, back man. to another episode of the Working Class Fishing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brian, and John Morris is over here. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by CD Fishing USA, Naughty Tackle Shirk here, Anatomist Flyco, Lid Rig, Angry Rooster Fly Company, 317 Flies, and our newest sponsor, Maxon Inflatables. Make sure you go check out all of those awesome sponsors. Let them know that we sent you. Hey, everybody.
1: We have the distinct pleasure, as Brian would say, of having on none other than one of the dudes from the the, the genesis of modern streamers. Uh, we've got Mister Russ Madden on. Sorry, I sound like shit. I've got COVID, but Russ, what is up, dude? What's going on, man? <laughs> Not much, dude. Dave, thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely, no problem. No dude, problem. I'm, uh, I'm um, sorry. No problem at all, man. Yeah, I was just get, I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Um, I have never met a a tire, at least from social media that hasn't um, that has reached out to you that you haven't helped. And I just want to say that means a ton to all of us guys that are like coming up and all of this dude. Um, like uh, my buddy Adam and so many other dudes we've reached out to you about tying and stuff and you've literally helped you've taken the time to answer all of our questions and not just answer them but explain why so dude I just want to say thank you for all that
2: oh yeah I mean that's what it's all about you know I mean it's 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 a cool thing to be able to you know a help people out and be you know help them catch fish because that's you know after all, that's why your tie flies, you know. So yeah, dude. But yeah, I can help out guys I do. People ask me all the time, you know, what lines you use, what hooks you use, what you know, this, that, or the other thing. I'm actually pretty loose with knowledge on uh, you know, a pretty approachable guy, actually. I, I've been doing this a long time. So <laughs> no need to be a jackass when you've been doing it your whole life, you know.
1: <laughs> Russ Dude for people that have been living under a
2: rock, Uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself, dude? Well, uh, my name is Russ Madden. I've been in living in Michigan for my whole life. Started fly fishing really young. Started working in fly shops when I was 18 down in the Detroit area. And uh, 94, moved up north to my first gig, you know, guiding stuff like that. 94, 95, worked uh, on the Paramount Cat River for a long time. Uh, then I moved up to the Traverse City and worked for the Gallup for a while till he went off to Montana and uh, worked for a few other places after that and kind of just started doing my own thing now where I don't have the, how do I call it, the guide grind, you know, that kind of thing. So I kind of pick and choose and do limited I always tell the guys, even though I say it with a smile, I always say, you know, you might just want to go with someone a little nicer. But you know, I'm actually pretty <laughs> really just to dissuade the guiding thing. I, I do about three days a week. And most of my guys I kind of know or have screened or, you know, whatever. I like to have some time for myself too to go fishing. So I actually really like it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why I do all this stuff. So start rowing boats in ninety-four. In Michigan waters, primarily now I guide the Manistee in my area here. Um, a lot of my buddies too, you know, I fish with them a lot. Alex Laffkus and it's pretty strange when you could say that, like Alex Laffkus, Russ Madden, and Kelly Gallup all lived in the same hometown. You know, that's that says something about this area here. It makes a makes a man out of you pretty pretty good. You know, you have to <laughs> really really adapt some some techniques around here and you gotta have a fly that's good and you gotta have some casts that are good and you gotta be a good rower and fish are limited and there's a bunch of pressure on these waters. I'm sure you guys have seen it all over the country mm-hmm. but that COVID really knocked this little passion into high gear. A lot of stimulated boat owners out there. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> boat man place these days. But yeah, so you know, I've been fishing a long time and uh guiding a long time and basically was there from the beginning. So Ro Kelly and Bob Lindziman around during his first book. You know, I think there's some footages of it. I did a little uh, video interview a while back and somebody mentioned that you're wearing a blue Patagonia, it should be in the Smithsonian. But yeah, that you know <laughs> back in back in the early days, but yeah. So I've been, been involved in it a long time. Been involved in fly fishing a long time. First job I ever had was at a fly shop. So tying flies forever. Yeah. Saving worms. Oh, go ahead, rest. Nope, just saving worms, I call it. Tying flies. <laughs> Man. So Kelly
1: talks about, he tells this story and it changes a little bit every time he tells it. But he tells a story of... Does it start uh, with the early
2: 80s? Because if it's <laughs> back in the early, it's usually not a great story. I'm just kidding. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he, he talks about when you threw down the the nut for the first time, when you threw down the peanut, and he said it was a...
2: Did he really ask you if it was a clown car? Well, there was another dude at the shop at the time and it was like, they were kind of poking fun at it. And they go, it's like a circus act. That's a sideshow. Those fish are, they run those fish into their homes with that thing. You know, and yeah, I mean, you know, it basically became that kind of like a a joke, like a gimmick, like a, you know, the circus peanut. That's kind of what it ended up to be. You know, and and you always look at like, know a lot of us fly tires especially you know in the moving back then let's say 2000 right i know it seems like a long time but they didn't even have good hooks back then amazing how 15 20 years makes uh you know fishing accelerate more than that um but yeah it was it was more like you look at some bass guys and that's what kelly and i looked at a lot you know we looked at the latest you know, super whistle bass boats and the new lures and the new stuff like that. And you kind of get a lot of ideas from those guys, you know, and we got a lot of ideas from saltwater guys, you know, guys like Sonati, guys like Popovics, guys like Lefty, you know, Dan Blanton, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, all those flies, if you actually take them and look at them, the platforms are all the same exact deal as they are now. And so we're looking at that bass fly, basically it came, came about when I started latching a bunch of rubber onto a hook, it was basically from a bass jig. So that's what we had at that point. We had not many weighted, weighted flies, not many jig type flies. And, you know, Michigan, you got to come up with some problem solving. Our water temperature goes from like 31 to 71 in the course of a year. And you, it, you learn how to be an extremely versatile especially streamer angler in this state and basically yeah that's kind of what he said it was like a sideshow is going to run fish into their homes it's a circuit that kind of thing so that's kind of where the name basically came from you know if you're talking about the peanut you know that that's kind of where it came from so nut-
1: I'll go oh in a nutshell hey <laughs> that's just You know, everyone hears, you know, that, not I say everyone, but all these like, kind of like streamer fanatics, I guess, you know, we all hear that story and, but I've never heard your side of it. Everyone always hears Kelly's side of it. So I I
2: thought I'd ask. (laughs) I mean, it's roughly similar, you know, I mean, you know, that's what it is. It's just, take take two flies to come to solve a problem and that's really what it comes down to that's what fly tying is in general I always kind of say that all over the world wherever I go you know basically you're a streamer fisherman you already have the mindset that you're probably not going to fare as well on a daily basis as some other type of angling but it's it's like a my it's all it is is a mindset. So when you come to that vice, like this is your advantage. You know, the fly tying is like a huge advantage in fishing. It might be the last one you got. You know, I mean, if, if you take Billy Bob, Wichita or Illinois, whatever, and he's just flat bailing on the water, and you got a guy who can't row and a guy who can't cast, and you got 40 dudes behind you running some factory fly. You know, the only thing you really got is your fly. So it's like that important. It's like a huge advantage. So, you know, I always kind of say that a lot to to people is, you know, if you, if you're not tying flies and you're a streamer angler, you're missing out and really it goes for anything. I mean, I, I look for people that tie flies. You got to tie a fly. You have to, if you're buying, if you're a guide and you're picking something out (laughs) of a box worth the you're not worth much. So, yeah. Oh, go ahead,
0: Brad. Well, uh, I think, I think it goes without saying, you know, when, when you're crafting your own lure, especially as a guide, the, the, the whole thing is, is whether it's a fly, a lure, whatever else, when, right. when you're, you're adjusting that to your fishery. And as a guide, you're expected to be an, an expert in that specific fishery. You know what the fish are looking for. You're out there, you're, you're on kind of the cutting edge of, really figuring out what the fish are going after. I mean, if, if all fish ever wanted to eat was a royal coachman, we would have never advanced into having flies like the circus peanut or right. the, the sex dungeon or anything else. You're looking at different things and you're looking at it a different way. So, you know, yeah, there's there's certain instances where it's advantageous for that guide to purchase certain things. And, and it, it just well, depends I mean, on... I'll
2: go as far as to say, yes, the dry flies and basic nymphuses, if you do that stuff, um, you know, that's probably, you know, an acceptable thing. But even even then it's like, well, do I want a little extra peacock girl on that thing? Do I want to put a little different color rubber leg on that thing? Do I want to make it a size bigger? Do I want to make it a size smaller? Do I want the shade to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Even that, you know, even basic stuff can can really make a difference.
0: It, exactly, and that, and that's what I was kind of thinking was it's like you you envision what you want, what you're fishing to do, and and you're you're thinking in the best context possible. How is that really going to work out to be advantageous to putting fish in the bag on the end of the hook to the yeah. boat? You know, racking up the kills, so so on and so forth. What what are you doing that's a little bit different? And we learn from other people, you know, uh, people like yourself. We learn from through what you're experimenting with in your fishery, and, and then we take that and we adjust it to our fisheries. Or, you know, there you know, somebody out in our fishery here adjust it there for, in John's fishery. We're, we're kind of trading all this information. We get kind of the foundation, but yeah, you're right, as a guide. if you're out there fishing and you're just buying everything off the shelf and you're not really investing anything, you're not taking full advantage of that fishery, and how can you not take full advantage of that fishery? when you're, you know, as, as a guide, you're charging people money for it uh, on top of it. So, you know, and then it goes for the weekend recreational angler. you said, you know, earlier you said, man, there's a huge spike in people out there during COVID. It really put a lot of strain and pressure on the river out of, out of, out of that group of people though. And you're on the river enough to see how many of those people are still out there on that river. Are you still seeing a high volume in your area or are you starting to see kind of a die off like. Things weren't they're, working out and they just failed. Yeah, they're fading back to the weekends, you know, and you're seeing a lot of those
2: brand new shiny super whistle boats turn into planters, mm-hmm. you know, where you could easily race tomatoes in them. But <laughs> there is, you know, the guys that are going out on weekends more and more now. And there's more pressure on every river that's from Michigan to Oregon to East Coast, everywhere. There's still it, and it's good for the it's good for fly fishing. I'm not saying that. It's just, man, it's brutal. It just makes things five times harder. You know, I mean, it, it does. It does. Cause, you know, our rivers are pretty small over here. And you get a guy ping-ponging down the river in a drifter's boat that he just bought and with the shiny sparkly oars and you know, that kind of deal hooks up to his, you know, urban assault vehicle and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I just can't. You know, I mean, it does it does irk me at times when I'm sitting in that lineup, going, "Oh my gosh, there's four boats here." You know. Yeah, I I, like, I hear you on that. Gravel and being total jackasses, so that's okay, and you just go past them.
0: But well, you know, I don't I don't know if you guys have uh, significant enough low rates to run like drag chain anchors or not. I know we're kind of tracking off subject a little bit, but. Well, I- no, I I, I always ask these weird, quirky questions. (laughs) I
2: I think it gives people an unfair advantage. I think it's total horseshit, honestly. (laughs) Dropping anchor on a spawning nest and sitting there for eight hours or dropping on some hole in the dead-ass middle of February and beating the living shit out (laughs) of a five steelhead in there and finally attaining one. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's the dumbest. It is the dumbest. I don't know. Well, whatever. But grown men also fish bobbers too. And that's, you know, a whole other issue.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, so out here we'll we'll have, you know, somebody they go down to Clackercraft, they buy a new drift boat. They're like, hey, I want to go out there and row this river. And and they've never really taken their time to learn that, you know, how the boat turns, how to row into a drift, anything else. And so they're like, hey, I want to stop there. And they bang, they drop the they drop like a drag chain. And it's like, hey, dude, you know, there's freaking fish sitting in there. And they're just ripping a drag chain through this entire area. It's not even a spawning red. It's like, we got like five or six fishes. We, we just had a tide cycle. They pushed in. They're ready to bite. They're hot. And it's like, and, and they do that. And you just, you know, if you can see them, you just see flashes just over. And you're like, shit, you know, you can't. It's like, come on, dude, you nope. know
2: fortunately they haven't figured that kind of cockamamie shit out yet but they actually use sticks and stuff you know on some of the ensemble boats which is a little different than like dragging shit around on the bottom of a river but i'm sure it takes place oh yeah people anchor right up on the nest and beat the living fire out of them because you know we don't protect our fish here in the great state of michigan there's no season for the wicked you know that kind of deal
0: yeah, I, I, you know, I've, I've always heard the assimilation, like you guys, you have such prolific runs of salmon and steelhead there in, in the Great Lakes region that, you know, some people are just like, oh, we're just, you know, going to go hook them and throw them up on the bank and all that. And when I look at the quality of the fish, I'm just like, who would touch that? You know, I guess we're a little snobbier out here, but there's a like, there was a, a bus by, I, I believe it was Michigan, DNR. Okay. what was that? 458 pounds of salmon and that stuff looked like it wasn't even fit to feed the John's cat gym towels, gym
2: towels, sitting there, gym towels on gravel, like, you know, decrepit land of the dead and dying zombies. Yeah. Sitting there, you know, five gym towels on a rope, you know, that kind of business over here. It's merciless. It is the most bizarre practice I mean, and, and people think it's fishing, but that you know, that's a whole nother, it's a whole nother episode. Yeah. I could yeah. Talk about it.
0: I don't, I don't want to go off on the tangent and tirade, but I got a <laughs> salmon and steelhead guide on. Uh, and so I'm like, all right, I got to nerd out. I got to I got to pull the rug out from underneath John before we get into feathers and fur and talk a little salmon steelhead with you. Oh no, oh, no dude. I'm going to talk about fucking egg yarn. Oh and- yeah. Let's do it. I got yeah. a whole
2: bunch up here, Russ. I got Marty. a whole bunch. Eats out. It's Mardi Gras time. I'm a fly. Hey. I'm fly hey, guy.
0: Look at that. That's a 20 mil. Right.
1: Oh yeah. Go so, for it, John. No, I was just I was gonna say, uh Russ, you've been using that for like streamers, and I think that's pretty sick, dude. But what I thought was even better was the explanation of why you use it on your streamers.
2: Oh, the fact that I used to do really bad things with it for years as a young guy. And I figured I'd do good with it. I'd make good with the glow bug yarn. (laughs) With it. Tied a million of those things and pulled them out of, you know, 10 point regions of salmons. You know, the head, the eyeball, the chin, you know, the gill plate, gill ring. Yeah, you're almost there. But, you know, I mean, now you can tie a real streamer with it. I mean, fortunately in my fishing, I'm not as angry at the fish as I used to be. Boy, when I was angry at them, I thought those beads would would have been the greatest invention ever. I'd never have to even black stuff on a yarn ball. I could be totally (laughs) never tie a yarn fly. But, you know, I mean, I'm not angry at them. So, you know, that that part's thankfully gone from my system. You know, I don't necessarily go out at two in the morning after the brown trout anymore either, as much as I used to. You know, that that part of the angriness is gone too. That's what I call it when guys are really angry at the fish. So you gotta call it when they're out there all night and then the dead of winter. Man, you must really hate those brown trout being out there then. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you gotta use a spot to catch them now. Well, that's pretty oh, angry. Geez. You know, that's pretty angry at him. Dude, so
1: uh why why did one of one of my buddies,
2: Chad, describe you as the lacerator? <laughs> oh yeah, laceration nation. No, that I just, you just keep casting. Just keep casting. Write that check and keep casting. Write that check, keep casting. It's gonna happen. This is the best spot on the river. Is it really the best spot on the river? Probably not. Just keep casting. You know, that's it. You just got to lacerate. You have, if you're going to be a lumberjack, you got to cut some wood. And that's, you know, it's, it's not, the streamer bit is not for the weak mind. Seldom is it effective. It's just, you have to have that mentality like the musky guys do. You have to. You know, you gotta be, you can't be afraid to go out there and be like, oh, I didn't get another one. I mean, that's you know, that's where it's at. And th- that's what it is. It's lacerating. It's just <laughs> the water. Unfortunately, most of the time it's not me. That's why I just sharpen up my finger and start pointing and sit in that middle seat. You know, that that's what it is. You know, i it's just working. It's working that cast. That's what that means. Just cast. Lacerate. True. So what's the deal with the soda? Huh? Oh, grape crush, orange crush. That's like your hopes and dreams. You know, that's what I was saying. It's you like some grape? You want grape or orange? That's, yeah, grape crush. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's your hopes and dreams. You go around the cast and you just want to give them some grape crush. This is you today, sir here's your great crush (laughs) I think you're this is not your day buddy that's what that means
1: (laughs) so the peanut has become it has definitely one of the coolest little snippet videos I've seen recently was you know from Schultz outfitters and uh they did a little video for the evolution of the peanut. And I oh, thought it was super cool.
2: Yeah, that was pretty cool, actually. We were he wanted me to do five at first. And I'm like, I'm gonna do them finally. Thankfully, his his video guy's like, no, no, you can just do three. <laughs> but there's I mean, really, there's a million versions. It's it's probably it's a very effective platform fly. So the reality of it is is you can dang near do anything anything with it and that's that's a cool part of it that's a cool part of fly tying in general is you can take a pattern that was x 20 years ago and you can add a modern hook and a couple beads and now you got another you know it's just it'll keep spawning off and then like i said you got guys like blaine and the new shanks and new materials i mean it's it's really awesome that there are so many arts and crafts fly tires I call them like the YouTube tires and the people who sit in their apartment and never you could they couldn't cast their way out of a barrel. I want to grab one and just throw a fly rod in his hand and say hit that wall with that thing. But I can't do that. I got to be nice and pretend that they can actually do something other than tie a fly on YouTube. But the cool part is is all the new materials that these guys bring to the world you know and that's that's the great part because there is a lot of youtube kind of tires and there's guide tires and there's 99 percent of the flies will never hit the water which is sad as sad can be just like orvis fly rods you know know, average ones use about five days in its existence so we'll keep that in mind too it's like those brand new shiny sparkly boats whoa i can't row that thing should have hired a guide you know people ask what are you using? A guide. You use a guide. It's all you need to do. If you're living in Illinois. You don't need a drifter's boat. You need to hire a guide. When I go places, I'm not bringing my stupid boat down there and be like that jackass. I'm going to hire a guide. What are you <laughs> using? It's very simple. One of my customers always says that everybody on the river was asking, what are you using? And he would say a guide. And he dead-ass met him. Because that's, you know, that's a good lesson for people, basically. I mean, if you want, you know, you want something to occur in your fishing evolution, hire a guide. Don't buy a boat. Hey, Jimmy, think we could buy a boat? We could do that. No, you can't do that. Now you got to store the thing, got to explain to your wife. Then you got to go back and buy another oar because you cracked it. Then you got to figure out how to bend your trailer back to normal because you ran over something. Uh Uh-uh. Hire a guide. With all that COVID money, you could hire guides for decades. That's my little two cents of rant on the guide situation. Mm -hmm. Hire a guide. You know, that's what people should be using, a guide. But yeah, the the original, you know, it it is a great thing with the flies and the fly tying and all that business and the peanut and the platform flies like ones that have been provided by Lefty, you know. Think about how many flies, you know, like the woolly bugger, right? Hell, that's a peanut, you know, take the c- c- palmer and I, I'm a guide. I was like, I'm going to tie the peanut. and I'm just going to take a little bit. Of, instead of doing the palmer, I'm just going to make it even simpler. Sitting in a trailer in Baldwin, I'm just going to collar it. Still do that stuff to this day. Put a collar in a collar and some rubber legs. Still works. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's interesting it's an interesting situation with the, the way the flies and fly tying and the whole chaos of everything's just become that, you know, that it's, it's a whole world inside of a world when those guys don't really even fish, but there's that part too. And thankfully there's enough, the arts and crafts guys to get us some really cool materials and I'll leave it at that, but it it, it is a big part of the fly tying. Is just the guys that just tie the fly and and enjoy the winter and go to their local shop and have that camaraderie and all that. I mean, me, I always count fly tying as like it's a means of production. It's a weapons manufacturing. Like This whole crap here is all weapons manufacturing. So, I mean, all these things will either wind up in a tree by some bad cast, usually get three, three new ones a day. Take three, go three brand new flies every trip. And then you start throwing them away, and then you go to the B box, you start throwing a few of those away. Then you go to the C box. You know that's kind of how I run it. But I'm sure every guide's a little different. But nobody likes to see their work disappear in the first bend of the river. Spend a little time. <laughs> that
1: kind of deal. So how how long? Well, let me rephrase this. So how did you, Russ? How did you get into fishing?
2: Like, was it a, a family deal or? It You know, no, my my dad couldn't fish his way out of a barrel, but, you know, my mom supported the fishing thing a lot. She, you know, when my dad was working, she would like drive me to the lake and we were fortunate enough to live near a lake. So I would ride the bike down with the fly pole, you know, and and had a babysitter who has stayed with me from time to time who actually tied flies. And I started tying flies pretty young, maybe like nine or so. And, uh, you know, was, and then I started, like, he bought me, like, one of those Oogie Boogie, like, kits, right, with the sunrise vice on there. And you, pretty soon you were, I wore a groove in the thing and was using cotton balls and chunks of yarn and whatever I could get. And got a fly pole, you know, got a rod, you know, some whatever it was, probably a Coraline or some kit. Put it all, you know, one of the shops put it together and my mom's setting it all up. And she's like, well, there's. Backing, it's like $4.99. And fly line, it's like $49.99. I think you're going to use this. Said fly line on it. So we put that backing on there, and I fished for like two years with backing. Couldn't cast for nothing. It was horrible. (laughs) And then actually, the guy who lives across the street from me just turned out that uh, he was at a lodge in Alaska. And this is probably 80 or 91, maybe 90, and I was probably just a freshman in college or high school or younger than that, maybe, and any rate, he, uh, maybe middle school, and he finally came over to me one day when I was fishing a little pond there, and he goes, dude, what the hell is this, and he handed me a fly line, I actually know the guy, I finally, I figured out the guy's name, uh, he actually has a place in Alaska still, his name's Don Meehan, and his, his kid's Uh, a man too but he used to live right across the street and I fished a pond a lot and he gave me my first fly line basically and it just revolutionary I mean it was like going from a pinto to a Ferrari you know I was like wow I could really catch I could cast backing pretty good I still probably can but yeah it it gave me that fly line and it was like that was life-changing that was like oh man I got the greatest you know situation ever going here so that's, you know, that's what it started, but Donnie gave me that line that he had one of those old six weights or whatever it was from Alaska, you know, it was probably shredded wheat, but I got it, put it on there. And I think he's actually still up there where his family is, his son. but uh, yeah, so he, he gave me my first fly line and then I started working for an order shop and my mom had to drive me there. So I wasn't 16. I was like probably 13, 14. And worked there until I could drive, and all the way through high school, and then went on work for another place, you know, up north that was an Orvis dealer, and started guiding. So I really been doing the fly bit my entire life. You no, know, never really, never really stopped. Just kind of changed, you know. Not, you know, methods changed. Got a lot less angry at them, and you know, really after rowing Kelly around and looking what all the you know cool stuff he was doing and how it went from you know, just basic, the Mickey, the zoo cougar, you know, that was pretty bad to the bone and then getting the company to build a cool six weight for us and coming out with his own line and, and I'm rolling those guys around. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. So, you know, it was just time to, you know, and he's, he's really the one who said, get off that salmon River, you know, in a nutshell, get off that salmon right You got to get off that thing. And if you do, you're going to throw a streamer. But really, at the time, it was more like, get off that salmon, man, that's not your future. You know, because that's meat and potatoes. That's, you know, Billy Bob Wichita coming one day a year, you know, holding some salmon all, you know, you know, lamprey wounds. And, you know, it's just it's it's it was something it was it was not glamorous. You know, that was the nine to five grind kind of bit, you know, bumper boats down the old pier marquette river mouth hockey trying to get the fly in the close parts of the mouth so it wasn't like such an epic battle although sometimes you'd actually just let those guys pull on those things for untold times just leave them there for a half hour tugging on those fish right in the middle or the tail or the van or whatever and i don't know man he's a he's the one who pushed me off of that stuff so and, and we always got the summer down there, but like nobody came there, you know, it was like nothing. It was like, going down, even though it had great fishing, you know, some of my buddies down there now that are pushing that fishery, you know, getting more and more people there and they're, they're coming, you know, I mean, that Tommy Lynch on that Pierre Marquette, got a lot of guys to go there, you know, and fish the trout and the older guys down there, you know, but anyway, moving up North and working with Kelly was, about the first time that it was like okay now you can now you can be a big boy now you know, learn how to trout fish up here it ain't easy so you put in your hours up there and he's not one to hold your hand down that river I mean yeah so it's it, it took a lot of time it took a lot of hours out there to to row around and to actually say oh yeah my, you're good enough to row Kelly around you know I mean that was like big okay cool I can actually row him you Know, but versus like the first guide trip I had on the Pier Marquette, where the dude would hide the drain plug or tie a knot in the anchor rope. Hell, I still do that to new guides. Tie that little half hitch right at that back pulley, they go to drop anchor in their spot and they're fine, it's gone. They just go soaring past it. Oh, it's great. Pull the drain plug, drain plugs disappear. Oh, what happened to my boat? How do well, you have an extra one? You know, that's like okay, that's that's all Kelly, right? That's like Kelly would, you know, that's how you. That's how you learn, boy. I had a guy jump out of the boat, one of of the guys that I was rowing at the beginning when I was first being a guy, and he was going to give me the okay, and he jumps out in the middle of like the hardest part in the river, and I freaking grabbed him and held on and pulled the shore, and I'm like, what the hell did you do? Didn't hit nothing, because I was just seeing how you could do it, you know, that kind of thing it was hard knocks back then now they just walk you down there all right now you drop your anchor nice and soft here and see that tree right there yeah cast right at that tree count to four and that drift's going in there then steelhead sit right there all right buddy let's go to the next hole all right now here you see that rock right there you want to be four feet up from that rocky cast up there drift down here and fish bite right there and, you know and, and they just walk you down i mean that wasn't like that back then that was just it was it was cutthroat man it was like get a big knot in your acre row, pull your, you know, take your lights out. Maybe get pulled out by, pulled over by a cop and your clients in your car customers, not clients. I think that's weird clients, you know, customers, but yeah, it's, it's, it was, it was a different deal. It was, it was great. It was super cool to, to be like in that, you know, zone like that. And, and my buddy Alex is the same way. He was dealing with the grumpiest of grumpy dudes on the, you know, a different river, our sister river over here, the Osabo, you know, dealing with Rusty Gates. I mean, it's, it's, these guys are legends, man. They still, Kelly is a legend, and he isn't afraid to say anything on that, and I love watching his little YouTube things. They crack me up. I do. I, I admit, every time I see something like that, I'm like, damn, I miss you, Gallup. It's, you know, it was a great time. We had a lot of good times together, a lot of good times. He was literally like my, my folks moved to you know, all the way across the country when I was working with Kelly. So he was like my adopted dad, family, whatever you want to call it. And it it was, he was an awesome dude, just an awesome guy to work for. Like one of the coolest dudes that I know, you know, in terms of really pushing, pushing the envelope and pushing, you know, me to, to get off that salmon river, get off that steelhead business and do some trout stuff you can do this you know and and without that motivation you know it probably would still you know be doing the old pure marquette shuffle and
0: playing mouth hockey with you know yarn balls you know, <laughs> well a, a question that i have and and when we talked to kelly uh when he was on the podcast i never got a chance to really ask him but i've had a lot of time to think about it and I, I, I'm sure that John's thought about this question too. Um, outside of like the big popular, like you know, you mentioned Lefty and and a lot of these other folks that are that are uh, legendary uh, fly tires, fly anglers, casters. You know, the people that built the foundation. Who before you even heard of those folks? Who up there was really getting you guys rolling on on your fly fishing? And and maybe I should do more reading. Maybe I need to dig deeper, but. You know, we have we have like our people here in the Northwest that we can go back 70 years and, and we can say these people revolutionized spring Chinook fishing or uh winter right. steelhead fishing or whatever else, right? So for you guys, who who was there that was right. really getting you guys kicked off, or did you guys just like hey, you Gallup. know what? well, well, outside of Gallup, I mean before outside, Gallup. had dudes tie in freaking size 14 atoms and stuff.
2: You know, we had some legendary dry fly dudes. We have legendary steelhead guides still in to this day that guide that fear Marquette, Walt Grout, John Klusing. I mean, the yeah. list is, pretty, you know, some bad to the bone dudes, man. And those are like the first swinging dudes down there, guys, that figured out that you can actually fish like a normal human to catch these fish. You can get these fish to actually eat. It's it's not a myth. It's, you know, it's harder but you can do it and that's got you know so there were some really legendary steelhead guys and there were some really 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 legendary dry fly dudes especially i mean hell you know traverse city right down the road the adams was invented three miles away from my house you know so the dry fly scene was prominent here so there june comes out and old grandpappy's fish comes out from that log and you sit there and you try to get a that stuff was going on like rusty gates. Like I said, and there's, you know, and and many other really great dry fly anglers, but when it came down to like fish and meat, you know, being a guide on some of these rivers where you're sitting there pounding your pud because that hatch, Oh, it should be at five o'clock. Well, didn't happen. See you later. Row, row, row your boat. What the heck do you do in Michigan when these windows are shrunk down to, you know, a voodoo head on a stick? So you're, you're really dealing with like, okay, it's going to be good. And you're out there and you're trying to do birds and smiles on this trout rivers. And you're, man, look at that. It's a you know, Father Marquette. <laughs> you sit up there and has pet Sasquatch over there. And you're rowing down and thinking to yourself, oh, man, what happens at 730, man? And now you look at your clock and you're like, oh, my God, full day trip. I'm out here. It's one o'clock. And that bird over there. You know, I mean <laughs> so you got all that zone where you're just like literally pounding your pod. And then you know, oh, you throw your Mickey fin out there and you rook a couple brook trout here and there, and you put your little bead chain goolly bully out there, and you throw that and you catch a couple bug, catch a couple fish on that. Sometimes you get a good one. But the but the reality of it is there's a lot of dead thing. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of birds and spots. So to take, to take that down and say somebody like Gallup, who was that, you know, who's buddies with the teenies and those guys and the out West dudes who, well, yeah, we, I mean, here's what you had. Right? We got a teeny 300 and we got a teeny 300 yeah. and here, you know, so, and then you're looking at this river and you're like, man, it's like two feet of sand. I don't know if that 300 grain's going to really work that great up here. So then there was dudes like Kelly, he was like, okay, we got to really make this something. We got to make, we need a new program. We need a whole new series of everything. And he's the one that kickstarted that in. So really when it came to that, it was Gal, because everybody else was a steelhead dude or a dry fly guy. And you know, he was the first guy to bang that door down with the streamers and run that, you know, he created some lines of, with Teeny, of course. And yeah you know, did a couple of uh, rods that were like, okay, six weights with like a, you know, 60 foot head. We've talked about, I've talked about this a few times, you know, this year, but you know, that was, that's what you had. And then he came up with the, okay, we're on a 10 pound maxima to a, you know, size two, you know, basically the zoo cougar. I mean, obviously there's been deer hair flies forever and all that other business. He took the muddler wing and flattened it out for dynamics and a lot of cool you know design programs with that type of stuff and then it became well okay we're running streamers and you're running streamers like effectively in those skinnier habitats without massive gear and without eight weight poles and so on and so forth and you just kind of moved along from there and and then when you did get a hatch if you got the good hatch that day then you could actually incorporate that as well so it would be like it was a way to make trout fishing an actual day you know and of course there are times a year still to this you know day where you can actually fish you know like in june right june's great dry fly fish anybody likes dry fly fish out there june is bad to the bone in this great state of michigan it's very unique it's cool as cool as hell Um, you you got brown drakes, you got your ice and Nikki, I mean, it's bad to the bone. It's cool. It's bad. It's awesome. And their fish are big and they're tricky and all that, you know, all that business. So, but when you don't have that, it's, 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 it's a day. It's a, you know, it took away birds and smiles. You know, that's, that's what streamer fishing did. And, you know, then when, finally, when Kelly left, you know, it was right around when we were really fishing. Starting the two hook bad, he went to Montana. I stayed here, and from then it's like okay, I'm gonna. Try, we're gonna, you know, when he left, we were just starting to do the king thing too. We were just starting to fish those migratory fish from a moving vessel, no anchor, no nonsense, just fishing. And that's what it's. That's when it comes, you know. That's when the lacerating really, you know, some real musky style mentality. Can occur because you're watching total disease on these michigan rivers during those seasons but they move right to there so you say okay went from kelly's 60 foot lines upper river stuff catching fish on the cougars and some of the other patterns um to fishing some migratory fish a little bit trying to get those on the streamer as soon as the two hook flies came out pretty much my mind went toward i want the king you know, I want King. I want King. I want an August Chinook, you know, that's it. That's top of the mountain, but you, you go through the processes and you have to go through the trials and errors and you have to spend, you know, 2004 whenever Kelly moved to five somewhere in there. Um, it, it It was, it, it really was like, Oh man, part of me got lost, but the only way to go is to just keep going. So that's, that's what I did. And, you know, met some dudes that were like-minded who was on, you know, who were on the cutting edge of that. Guys like Lafkiss, guys like Lynch. And, you know, you, you start saying, well, there's got to be better better stuff than this sitting on anchor beating on these steelheader salmons. And we love the trout thing and we love the steelhead thing. But if you can do the streamer bit for migratory fish, then you're fishing streamers a lot more. And then you take the bass and now you're like, you don't stop now. Now it's all year. Now you're just pushing streamers the whole year. There's always something to do. I mean, I'm a diehard ice guy, so I don't mess with them too much in the winter. But, you know, starting in now, like next week, probably. I mean, I went out last week once, twice, actually. Um, But yeah, so it, it really just never ends. There's nothing you can't fish. There's really nothing you can't fish with the streamer. So that's kind of taken that to that next step. And but really prior to Kelly, there were no streamer people. There was black nose days in the in the Adams. You know, that that's what it was. You know, everybody, oh, streamer was a Hail Mary situation. <sighs> I got nothing going on. Let's tie the woolly bully on. You know, no, people who aggressively did that, there was Kelly. That was it. Now, I, I don't care what anybody says. I mean, yeah, the steelhead dudes were one way, but running that streamer on floating line, big chunky, you know, bunch of B chain eye or something and hoping for the best or worst yet, putting them on running lines and stripping them in that way, you know, running like a 029 with a worm weight on the front, you know, doing that kind of thing. So it wasn't even casting. There was some of that going on too. So anything to, you know, leave it to Michigan folk to figure a way to cut a bunch of corners. I guess I'd say that, but it, it really started with Kelly. Long story short. Started with Gallup. It was either a black nosed Acer or, or an Adams. That's all we had before Gallup. So
1: did you did
2: you own the Troutsman for a little bit after I, Kelly left? They eventually decided they were gonna sell the building and the property. I mean it's a tragic city, so it's like super expensive, you know. I wasn't gonna spend the couple million dollars to to buy the property you know and they didn't really want a bunch of river hippies loofering around on it anymore so it was easier just to shut her down than to keep that part of it alive when you were guiding, i was guiding anyway i had a shop manager so it was like you know kind of sucked for him but the reality of it is i was making my money guiding at that point yeah taking anybody with a heartbeat you know shop ownership but yeah it was it was uh that yeah that went right from there i had the shop for a minute and uh traverse city happened to traverse city and then we shut her down and kept guiding i actually signed on with chuck hawkins for a while worked for him for a few bits uh might actually still be on his website i think um but yeah, so we did a guide, you know, guiding tying flies, doing that kind of thing. Still am, still guiding, still tying flies. Kelly so, and I still have some of the uh, same stuff. That's so important. you're
1: you're uh you've only fished glass sticks now,
2: right? Yeah, I do. I do that now. I do fish the glass poles. I, I do fish glass, and I hardcore streamer fish with them. I really do. I mean, I'll I'll keep up with the meanest of angry. I mean, if I if you could keep up with Lapis on a boat and you could throw a glass pole, you would made it. You made it. That man's fierce. You know, he, he's not cutting any slack. You know, the further away you keep that boat, the better off, you know, you're you might have a better chance. So you know, yeah, no, I just fish glass. And and basically it's just a term, you know, over the course of let me think now, that's 47, probably 32 years of really hard fishing, like hard fishing and, you know, casting, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it, my thumb's wasted. So my hand's kind of not doing as good as it used to. You know, I can only get so many cortisone shots in a given year. So I kind of uh, switched to the glass pole because I can use a little bit more timing than, you know brute force that was like a whole nother set of a whole nother curve because man you can lose a lot of fish when you start using glass it's not very forgiving when it comes to like those streamer bites you know i lost a big muskie last year because of glass i mean you know whatever i'm pretty much determined that i like doing the glass now so now that's all i'm gonna do because i believe in my mind it's like 25 percent harder taking something that's already pretty difficult and making it even harder by using glass. And it's not that the rods don't cast the same, it's that the streamers, I mean, they do cast differently. You got to actually like think and you plan your cast. And I try to maximize that because every day that every cast, I don't make through the course of a day, you know, that was a bad decision cast. Cause I see it all the time on the boat, you know, it, it, you know, you make five of them that, you know, will never work. I'm only making the one that might work kind of thing. So at the end of the day, probably 40 times, 50 times, a hundred times less than the next guy. So just by maximizing the opportunity, because my hand can't take that kind of stuff, you know, I can, I can be efficient and accurate and fish a long time. And, you know, I still use the the graphite for being, and I still cast them from time to time. Um, I actually really like some of the graphite rods now. I like the Scots. I like the Echoes. I mean, heck, I got Tim up here last fall and we played around with a bunch of new Echo stuff. Probably, hopefully, it'll come out this coming year. Um, love the Scott wave and the Centrics, and blah, blah, blah. I use them all. But my my heart is in the glass. So I use a lot of, and he knows that, or you know, Tim knows that because I run a lot of his bags. Caught everything on those things, caught multiple chrome kings on the streamer, caught muskies, caught steelheads, caught, you know, brown trouts, caught everything on those things. And they'll do it. But you gotta have, you know, you gotta have it in you because you're gonna fail a few times initially if you're using glass. But once you get once you get it, you got it. So my long story about the glass poles.
1: Yeah, I just got so I blew up my eight weight uh sunday uh completely blew it the fuck up and it was a custom rod so there's no warranty on that like so i talked to my my buddy uh alex and uh he was like i don't have any more eight weight like blanks or anything right now he said but i do have an eight weight glass i could build you i was like dude i don't know shit about glass I was like, but I have found out that I really like a more moderate action streamer right. rock.
2: Right, it's like Chevy Chase in the Caddyshack. Shack no, no, na, no, na, no, no, na, no, 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 that's what it is. And when you get it, you got it, and it's it's pretty relaxing but you, you can rely on timing. And that's why my hand likes it. Cause I can grip it like a hammer. I could use the finger side pole that Tim Ray Jeff uses. I can use my thumb periodically. I can use all those grips on it very easily because it's really all about the time. You could feel everything in that rock. So I, I like, I love the glass rods. I do. Uh, I mean, if you ever have, you know, anybody out there who has any questions on any glass stuff, feel free and, Hit me up. I love talking about glass, and they'll do anything. You know, they'll absolutely do anything. I know so for I... Mark. Uh, Mark Kebiko. Cabico.
1: Cabico. I got I know he's... Mark made some rods. Mark is one of my buddies. He's
2: a good dude. Oh yeah, he's a great guy. Great guy. Yeah, he has. He's made me. I think. Well, I got a few of them now. I mean, I got like a seven weight, halo, blue halo, eight and a half seven. I got a Norfolk eight weight, couple of ten weight, a ten weight, a blue halo, a Zen glass nine weight, twelve weight that he all that he built me. Awesome work, great craftsmanship, super great guy. Totally support that dude, hundred percent. he's a good dude. Yeah, so that's so far. I actually ran one the other day got a pretty nice trout with Lafkas on twenty-something incher. Yeah. yeah,
1: it was funny too because I I Lafcus, uh, He's coming on next week, to come oh, hang out you bullshit, sure so
2: have, grab your football helmet. You get ready. <laughs> it's gonna be- oh, he's great. He's one of my best buds. Like actually. And he, hey, is a, cool. he is a, a, a absolutely a, an awesome, awesome, awesome angler. And it's really a, about Lafkis' mindset. You know, he's he's got a great mindset on it because he fishes musky. You know, that's a streamer guy. You know, it's a streamer guy who decided he's going to do a little bit of musky. In. And, you know, it's it's how many of those dudes are going to want to get up that day 23 without a bite and go the day 24 he's that guy he'll go another 20 you know he, he's told me before he's like i went 28 days never got a bite <laughs> you know i mean it's it's oh he's awesome he's great he's, he's one of the best streamer anglers in the country i'll go easily and i'll easily say that with utmost certainty
1: yeah, I, I know, like, it's another one of those kind of, like, stories, you know, but that I'll ask him about, but, you know, like, if he would have never blown up that rod on the White River, would the streamer fishing be the way it is now on the White, you know? So. Right. So that's, that's definitely something I'm going to ask him. But, Russ, yeah, but we, now, I, I think we'll go him ahead. And then he broke a line in half once hold, Get, hold on and say I, that again? I think I stepped on you. He
2: uh he was fishing with Kelly and, and they he bro- he like set it strip set into a brown trout and the line broke in half. <laughs> uh, he's, he's a pretty he, he worked for a hardcore, he worked for a Kelly type. You know, he worked for the dry fly Kelly type. It's like the version of Gallup as bad to the bone as that dude is at the streamer, this guy was the equivalent in the dry fly. Rusty Gates is a Michigan legend of dry fly. Legend. Great. I mean, you know, one of those old time, you know, he ain't cutting, he never cut Alex any slack. You know, you know, that that, that stuff wasn't around back then when Lafkus was going so yeah, no, you'll have a you'll have a great one. He's you strap your helmet on. He's good. He's good. <laughs> oh, he's great. He's he, absolutely the best, my favorite guy to talk to before 7 a.m. Absolutely ever. He's one of the bitch <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, you might have, like have a lot if you had the if it was a like family friendly show, it'd be like. Be like <laughs> morris cove <laughs> that's
0: awesome
2: like literally be morris cove but he's a you no know, he's, he's cool man he's great he's one like i said he's one of my best buds favorite guy to talk to before 7 a.m bar none nothing better than alex's car drives to the river and the rants that go into it and it's almost like he goes feel a lot better well, yeah, usually I have to go down to Arkansas once a year to save Arkansas from Alex. But you know, <laughs> this year I didn't get down there. <laughs> but I sent two of my buddies instead. So they, he was safe. The, Arkansas was safe from Alex this year. It's good. It was good. Yeah, no, he's he's great, dude. One of well, one of the one of the best.
1: Russ, so uh, we're coming up on our hour, bud. Um I think we're a little past it. That doesn't really matter to me. Um, but is there anything you
2: wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about? No, I think we pretty much hit a bunch of cool stuff. I mean, I, you know, I, I just love doing the streamer bit. I do. I love it. I love the the whole process of it. I love learning from the gallop. I like moving forward. And I'm always willing to, like, pretty much go out of my way to help because I've been through it the whole deal you know, and and it's, it's cool. It's cool. It's It's a, it's a great game. Fish with guys that are serious about it too. And that's what it's about. It's about learning and putting in the hours and there's really no compromise for putting in the hours, you know, and we didn't have the interwebs, you know, we had to like call up one of our buddies to be like, Hey man, is the water up a little bit? conditions okay what's the temperature you know we didn't have we didn't have that we didn't have that instant you know instant here you go water is 48 and rising go get them you know we didn't have that so it's is it it different it's just different times now you know now you can be in a high-rise apartment and know that you know the weather system is that river temperature is golden and get your ass on that river you know, back then you go went through, you ate a lot of shit to get to the bread. You know what I mean? You know, you didn't have that instant, you know, info. But you know, pace nothing like on that water experience. So, especially when it comes to timing, because then you can adjust.
1: Hell yeah, Brian. You got anything? You got anything left for
0: rest? Well, Russ, I uh, just wanted to say as we wrap up, it's been a real pleasure to have you on. I always love talking to you guys out of the Great Lakes because we have such a similar fishery and just hearing your stories and everything else is super cool. It's just a different perspective on, you know, a lot of the things that uh, a lot of the folks from my area uh, love to, to go after and fish for. And you guys have different water, different fisheries, everything else. But But I think, I think the, the best thing that you said today was that, you know, we should really be looking at how we can improve on our fishing skills. Not only that, but also just the, in general, don't be afraid to think outside the box when it comes to doing things, because it can be one little tiny thing and you don't have to say anything and bang, you could be, you know, there again, bringing a lot more fish to the boat and, and, uh, putting that time in on the water too is really important. I've been been waiting
2: for some guys out west to
0: grab that streamer pole and throw the anchor in the
2: back of the boat and never drop it and just cast like a man up and down any one of those out west rivers and see if they can get the chrome demon to eat. You know, I've been dying for it. They eat the lure out there. They'll eat a streamer. Oh yeah. You you know, it's like the one bite in a run swinging through, you know, yeah, it sucks that you're only getting one cast or two in those runs, but it's the coolest thing when you see the chrome dome eat right off the ore blade. It's life-changing shit. So, do it.
0: I got to definitely you, give it a shot. You
2: know, I always tell me, what are you going to do? Not catch one?
0: Yeah. Don't be angry at them fish. You could go fish. throw a bait in the river and not catch one. It's right. all the luck of the draw, right? Right. Just don't be angry at them. Go no. fishing. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> well, Russ, dude, thanks again for coming on. This has been fucking rad,
2: dude. No problem, man. Anytime. Got two nice flies done, too, while I was talking to you. Hell yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, this episode has been brought to you by CD Fishing, Nadribus Fly Company, 317 Flies, Lid Rig, Shirokir Naughty Tackle, Angry Rooster Fly Company, and our newest sponsor, Maxin Inflatables. Go check them out. Uh, they'll hook you up. John, yeah.
2: Brian. Go for it, Russ. Thanks, man. Appreciate you guys.
1: Oh, dude, it's been fucking real. Like, honestly, we appreciate you, dude. It, it's been cool just, just getting to know you, man.
2: Yeah, definitely support the local shops and keep on going.
0: Appreciate yeah, for sure. So... Everybody, make sure that you go check out Russ. You can find him over on Instagram or any of the other uh, fun platforms. He's a wealth of knowledge. He's got a lot of great information. And if you want to check us out further, you go to workingclassfishing.com. That's our website. We have all the information on our sponsors over there. You can go and check everybody out. We should have quick links with our discount codes. And if you want to reach out to us, feel free to shoot us an email at workingclassfish at gmail.com. But until next time, everybody, Thank you so much for listening. We hope you all have a wonderful day.